That was the lovely Ashley Renz, who is going to be our MC slash cruise director every Tuesday morning to just help you smile right after you walk in the door and to give you any of the announcements that we need. Um, so my name is Christine McDermott. Um, I know a lot of you, but there's a lot of faces in here that I don't know, and I'm so glad to see each of you this morning. I want to thank you for making the time and the commitment to be here to study the Word of God. Um, let me pray for us before we start our teaching this morning. Father, we, um, we pause now and we want to go grow quiet for just a moment, Lord, to praise you and honor you for your sovereignty in our lives and for the way that um, you direct all things. Lord, you are mighty and holy. And Lord, we ask this morning that everything that is spoken and done here will be to your honor and glory. Lord, I pray that you will bless my words as I teach this morning, that I will only say the things that are completely true to your word. And I pray for each of these groups, Lord, that as they get to know each other, that there will be sweet fellowship for them around their tables. So, Lord, we just ask your presence and your blessings in this place this morning. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. So we are beginning a study today on the book of Ruth, and then we will go on to Esther after the first of the year. And both of these books describe women who lived lives that influenced other people. Actually, in each of these books, there are multiple characters that influence other people. But here's the real bottom line to where we're going this year. There is one key influencer throughout these stories, throughout the scriptures that you will read, and it is the one and only mighty God of the universe. He is behind the scenes at every moment, and our prayer for you this year is that each one of us will see the depth to which God is at work. Now, I want to start by sharing a story with you about someone who you probably don't know. It's a fellow by the name of Jimmy Simonoff. And Jimmy was a guy who liked to work in his garage. And so um, he um, began to miss deliveries at his front door. Um, people would come, and he wouldn't know they were there. And he got kind of frustrated about that, so he decided he would look for a product where when somebody rang his door bell, it would send an alert to his telephone. And he would then know somebody was at the door, and he even was looking for one, hopefully, that would send him a picture of... Where's my clicker? I need to be advancing slides. Thank you, Michaela. This is my lovely assistant, Michaela Nelson. <laughs> All right. So he was looking for this kind of gadget that he could use in his garage. And so he, of course, searched online, couldn't find it anywhere. So he decided he would just invent what he needed. And so he invented this little Wi-Fi connection in his house where whenever somebody rang his doorbell, He'd get an alert on his phone, and a little picture would pop up so he could see who was standing at the door. And his wife especially loved this because before she went to the door to answer it, she could see who was standing there. Well, so in 2013, Jimmy decided, I'll take my little 
invention, and I'll go on Shark Tank. Everybody knows Shark Tank, right? Okay, so in 2013, he goes on Shark Tank, and what happens is he didn't get a single deal, and all of the sharks told him, this is useless, this will not even sell on QVC. <laughs> you know where I'm headed here, ladies? Okay, so you can imagine the dismay of those four sharks three years later when Jimmy had rebranded his product, the Ring Doorbell, and it became the highest selling item ever on QVC. And about five years after that, he sold the company to Amazon for $1.5 billion. It's a rather impressive story, isn't it? Now, it's one of those stories that is amazing because Jimmy was just a regular guy working in his garage trying to solve a really simple problem. But it is a Cinderella story of sorts because he persevered and he kept working and he didn't give up. And even when the so-called experts didn't believe he had a good product, he kept thinking that he did. You know, just like Cinderella who was in rags and looked down upon and nobody thought she was much of anything and it was only the fairy godmother who saw the character in the young woman, dressed her up and her character shone through her glass slippers. No one else, including her stepsister and mother, appreciated her potential but it is through stories like these, whether it's Cinderella or Jimmy Simonoff, whose name you probably didn't know before you walked in here today, it's only in stories like these that we begin to appreciate character above money and power and influence within our culture. So this morning, what we're starting is we're starting the story of a woman called Ruth. And I have to tell you, honestly, Ruth is a member of a very inconsequential family. They were nobodies. She was overlooked. She was suffering in the midst of some terrible circumstances. And nobody ever would have predicted that 2,500 years later, people like us would be sitting in a room talking about Ruth. She was nothing. But it was um, God's plan that made all this different. Because what would happen is this family of such little significance would become integral to God's plan to bring his son into the world. In the eyes of society, she was an unremarkable girl in a peasant Jewish family. Now, the way she got there was that her father-in-law, a man named Elimelech, he forgot what he knew about the provision of God in the promised land for his people. He forgot that God had promised to provide and care for and love them in the midst of all circumstances, including a famine. And so he moved his family in what was really an act of disobedience to a foreign land. And it was a pagan land where people worshiped idols and they became residents there. And ultimately what would happen to this little family is the husband and the two sons would die and the women in this family would be left alone and destitute. So as we get started today, 
I can't tell you all the details of the story. They're coming in the weeks that are ahead of us. But I'm going to tell you just enough to give you the context of where we are and to give you some important themes that we all want to keep in our minds and keep looking for. Now, if a lot of us, when we open the Old Testament, um, we, we're probably not sure where Ruth is because it's only about that long in comparison to all the other books in the Old Testament. But let me see if I can help you a little. It's the eighth book in the Old Testament, and it is immediately after Joshua and Judges. So if you can flip through the first several books and find Judges, you are right where you need to be because Ruth is coming next. Now, while we're going through this this morning, I want to encourage you to open your workbooks to page 8. And I want to ask you to take notes. And here's the reason I'm doing that. When you write things down, you are always more likely to remember them. So we all want to hang on to what we are learning this year. So start off on that page right there. There's a notes page in every lesson that you can use. And I'm going to give you some things this morning that will help you understand in future weeks exactly what we want to know about Ruth. All right, so we want to start with the history of Ruth, where she falls within Scripture, where she is within the timeline and the chronology of the nation of Israel. These slides are on four screens around the room. So if you're sitting in a place where you can't see the two immediately behind me, please know they're also at the opposite ends of the room for you. So the first thing we want to talk about is what does it mean that Ruth is living at the time of the judges? Well, some of you probably remember not too long ago, Chris Payne, our senior pastor, taught on the book of Judges. Can I get some nodding heads? Okay, thank you very much. And so in that series, what we learned was, and what is true of the judges in the Old Testament, is that they were men and wisdom, men and women who God chose in his wisdom to deliver the people of Israel when they got into trouble, which happened a lot. In Judges 2.16, it tells us that their very purpose was as deliverers because what continued to happen during the time of the judges was that foreign nations kept invading the country and taking over and making life miserable for the Israelites. Now, there, there was a reason why that happened um, and why they constantly needed a deliverer in a person who God would guide and in the meantime, of course, the ultimate deliverer in each of those circumstances was God himself. But this time during the judges was a time of tremendous moral decay and rebellion. And there was great disunity among the Israelites. And so God would allow these foreign oppressors to come in to get the attention of the people. And Chris Payne showed us a, um, a cycle that occurred, which I just want to remind you of because it really helps to understand what's happening with Ruth. The people would rebel. They wouldn't be faithful. Then they would be oppressed by an enemy. Then they would feel awful. They would cry out to God and repent, and he would send a judge, a deliverer, and he would guide that judge 
and through his power, he would deliver the people. And then there would be a time of peace and everything would be fine. And they would remain faithful for a while and then it would start all over again. And they would begin to rebel, they would lose their faith, they would forget what God had done for them, and here we go again. And this continued for 400 years with the judges overseeing the Israelites. They had completely forgotten that they had been led out of Egypt by Moses, and they were not doing well at recalling that Joshua had led them to this land that was promised to them, and it was a land that should be flourishing. But because of their unfaithfulness, the consequences of one of these oppressors was that there were times that famines would occur in the land. And this is what's going on when this family makes the decision to leave the promised land and move to Moab because they've heard that there is food there. And thus begins the story of Ruth. Now, our next question in the history is who are the Moabites? Because what you will find out is that this little family moves to a country called Moab, which today would be in what we know as modern-day Jordan. And the Moabites, all through the book of Ruth, you will see every time they say her name, or frequently when they say her name, it will say Ruth the Moabite, Ruth the Moabite, because they are labeling for you where she came from. And so I have to tell you that the story of the Moabites is not a pretty one, but it's important in the context of our story of Ruth. So everybody remembers Abraham, who God chose to be the father of Israel. And God asked Abraham to leave the country of Ur and to move with his family to begin to lead the nation that would become the nation of Israel. Well, one of the family members who traveled with Abraham was a nephew by the name of Lot. And Lot was kind of a... He got a little mixed up occasionally. And so... um, It's not just enough to say, well, okay, so Lot, you know, he went with Abraham and the Moabites came from Lot. Can't can't do justice that way. We have to go a little deeper into some ugliness. So Abraham and Lot travel a long distance and they reach a point where the family is very large. They've got a lot of livestock and it's important for them to divide up and not all try to live in one spot together. So Abraham gives Lot a choice, and he says, Lot, which of these areas would you like to live in? Well, there's one area that looks much greener and lusher. You know that phrase, the grass is always greener? Okay, well, Lot fell into that trap, so he picked the greener, and Abraham said, that's fine, I'll take this other area. And what happens is, How many of you remember Lot when he's running out of Sodom and Gomorrah and he's being chased because it's so evil there and on the way out, his wife is frozen into a pillar of salt because she looks back when she's not supposed to. Well, as Lot and his daughters escaped from what had been a very evil land where he had chosen to live, they ended up in a little place called Zor. Zor was Nowheresville. And they were living in a cave just outside of this little city. And Lot's daughters got concerned and they said, we're never going to find husbands here. 
So they came up with a plot. They said, let's get our father drunk. Isn't this lovely story? Are you, are you, are you, get, are you hanging with me here? Okay, so they get their father drunk two consecutive nights, and on each of these nights, one of them goes in and sleeps with their father because they want to conceive a child. Well, they do both conceive, and the oldest daughter gives birth to a son and names him Moab. And thus we have the Moabites. The Moabites grew to be a pagan nation. They worshipped a false god by the name of Chemosh. And when Elimelech and his father, and his family rather, chose to move from the promised land to Moab, they made a choice to go and live in a place that was completely unhealthy for them spiritually. The God of Israel was not in this land. So at a time when God's people, the children of Yahweh, should have been living in loyalty and obedience, Elimelech and his family leave the homeland and move to a pagan nation. Okay, how's that for history? You won't forget that story anytime soon. Okay, so the last thing then is the references here to kingship. And I just want to mention this briefly, but there's something important that's going on in the book of Ruth, and it's kind of an undercurrent as we go through. But most likely the, the author of this book is Samuel. Samuel is the one who God would rely on to go to a man named Jesse and look at all of his sons and then choose the one that would be king. And that king's name would be David. And David would take over the throne from a king named Saul. So it is very likely that this book is written by Samuel in about 1000 BC. It's much later than the actual story is occurring. And it's written most likely by Samuel because Samuel would have understood the ancestry and the lineage that is running through the book of Ruth. Because what we are actually studying in the book of Ruth is some of the ugly family history of King David, who will be highly instrumental in the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ. And one other tidbit just for along the way. Elimelech, the father of this family, his name means God is king. Even with a name that supported that idea so strongly, he still, at this one point in his life, chose disobedience. But as we study Ruth, what we will see is the hand of God as the true king over the events of the life of a nation and over the individual lives in this story. Okay, now, second part of what we want to do this morning, oops, other way, is we want to notice the themes that are in this book. We have one overarching theme, and here it is. God is the purposeful author and hero of our story. Notice that doesn't just say, God is the purposeful author and hero of Ruth's story. It is, he is the author of the story of every one of us in this room. He defines our identity and invites us just the way he invited Ruth and in our second semester, Esther, into lives of influence. 
Now, let's talk about that for just a moment. This applies to each one of us this year, this overarching theme. We will see it exemplified in the characters in these books, but everything that occurs in their lives and in our lives, mine, yours, is in fact either allowed or ordained by the sovereign God. And he does that, he either allows it or ordains it in order to lead us to where he wants us to be. So he is moving us into the life of influence that he wants us to live for him. Now, in addition to this overarching theme, we have four key words we're going to focus on this year. The first two are words that we attribute to God, and the second two are words that will be attributed to us. So the first one that's up there, author, is all about who God is. The story of Ruth demonstrates God's governance in all things. It is um, essentially a record of the stunning skill with which the Lord weaves the details and sometimes tragedies in people's lives together for their salvation. It shows how expansive the scope of God's love is for his people. And the same God who saved the nation of Israel through the parting of the Red Sea, speaking the world into existence, and now saves all of us through the raising of Jesus from the dead, he was intimately involved in all of the events that we will read in the book of Ruth. God superintended the events that eventually led this little family back to Bethlehem. At no point in their lives, in the lives of Ruth, Naomi, Boaz, the characters in this story, at no point was God not present and working. And at no point in our lives is God not present and working. The second word attributed to God is hero in this story. And I have to tell you something. This is huge, so don't miss this as we go along this year. Nowhere in the Old Testament does God give us a clearer picture of the role that Jesus will ultimately play as our Redeemer. This is called a foreshadowing or a type of Christ in the Old Testament. And all that means is that it is an example that we can easily understand of someone who is living out a role similar to what Christ will ultimately fulfill. It gives us essentially a look into the future. And we will see that, you will see that when you meet Boaz, the character in this story. He is a man of noble character who is the rescuer and he is pointing us to the ultimate rescuer in Jesus Christ. Now the two words attributed to us are identity, that's who we are. We have no true identity apart from God. Write that down, ladies. I have no true identity apart from God. This little family learns that the hard way. They walk away, but then they are eventually led back to their one true spiritual father. And there are many, many references in Ruth to their earthly family, to the people they belong to, 
the nation who they belong to. But the reality is that by faith and by covenant with God, their true identity comes through their belief and their faith in him. And Ruth herself is an example of an outsider who finds a home among God's children, and she finds it only because of the mercy and grace and love of God. Just like we find our identities, not in the influencers that we follow, not just in who our earthly family is or where we live, we find it through a relationship and a commitment to Jesus Christ. And now our fourth and final word, influence. Let's let's wrap this up and bring it home, right? So the last word is influence, and that attributed to us, that reflects what we do. Um, Ruth's life will ultimately have influence that she is totally unaware of. But here's the key. Her obedience to God, her faith in God, leads her to the place where he can use her in mighty ways in the lineage of Jesus Christ. We understand God's plan to send his son, and we understand that more completely because of lives like Ruth's. Now, don't walk away this morning thinking, well, I'm not Ruth. You know, God didn't pick me to do something mighty like this. What influence do I possibly have in the story of God and in the way he wants to influence his people? Well, here's the answer. Go back to our overarching theme. God is the author and the hero of your story, of my story. And as the author and the hero of our stories, he will define our identity and he will lead us directly into the life he wants us to live to influence the people that he puts in front of us, the places where he puts us to live, all the details. This is true for every single one of us. Now, as you look forward to getting started on your first lesson and you begin to dive into the book of Ruth, I want you to remember this. So often over the years, if you were in Sunday school or even if you've listened to a study of Ruth from the pulpit, a lot of times Ruth was simply described as a beautiful love story in the Old Testament. And there is definitely a love story in this book. And there is definitely a tale of the redemption of a widow who is, who is very frustrated and really in a difficult place. But here's the other thing. It is the filling of some of David's family history which becomes the ancestry and the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the story of a work of God on a national scale in the nation of Israel and in the individual lives of two destitute women that he has chosen as instruments in his plan of redemption. In Ruth's day, the headlines on the evening news in Israel would have covered the exploits of the judges. Look at this amazing act of delivery for the Jewish nation. Or it would have covered all the trouble and turmoil and suffering that was going on because of the foreign nations that were invading. It would never have made any mention 
of this little Moabite woman and her mother-in-law who were returning to Bethlehem to try to find a safe place. It would have been significant only to the few people there who still remembered Naomi. Yet here in these lives, what we will see is it didn't matter whether or not the headlines were covering it because God was covering it. And he was showing what his ultimate provision would be for the salvation of people. Now, it's time for you to go to your groups. I'm going to pray for you before you go. Um, One thing I do want to mention to you, um, actually two things. The first one is, if you did not get a name tag on your way in, there are name tags placed around on some high-top tables. Please get one and put it on. Um, so that in your group, um, everybody will be able to know who you are. And secondly, um, there is a table out in the area where the snacks are this morning that has a stack of Bibles on it. If any of you forgot your Bible this morning, or if you need a Bible, um, or you have a friend who needs a Bible, those Bibles are out there for anyone's use who would like to take one. And if the stack gets low, we'll pile up some more, okay? So don't worry that you're taking one of the last few Bibles. We, we've got an ample supply. So let me pray for you before you head to your groups. Lord, we are so grateful for the book of Ruth, for all that it will teach us this year. Lord, we pray that you will give us open hearts um, and open ears to be listening to your word and growing. And Father, we pray that um, this morning as we head to meet new people, new faces, and to begin our journey together as groups, that your blessings will just be in each of those rooms, Lord. Um, Give us an immediate um, chemistry and affinity for one another, Lord. Help us to um, just use the wisdom of others in our group to teach us this year. And so, Father, we just pray now and we look forward with anticipation to the way that you will answer these prayers. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.